Welcome to CRE Eyes Wide Open podcast. I'm Ann Hambly, your host. And today I'm very happy to have with me Brandon Eisner, who's uh, the head of retail research for the Americas for CBRE. And uh, Brandon, I've I've read a little bit of your um, papers that you've written, and I, I think this is a really captivating subject. I can't wait to dive in. But before we do that, welcome and tell us a little bit more about yourself and what you do there at CBRE and anything else you think would be helpful to hear. <laughs> sure. No, thank you very much for having me. It's uh, it's an honor to be on. And uh, so about me, I, I've been with CBRE almost 10 years now. I uh, had thought I was going to have a career in urban planning and community development, but CBRE had other plans. I, I had started working with them as a researcher when I went back to school for uh, an undergrad and then a, and a grad degree in, in urban planning. And uh, but I've, I've just really liked the the culture of CBRE, and, and it's it's really interesting just getting to uh, the, the amount the, the different things that I can get involved with at the company are just uh, they're so far reaching. From you know because we do all sorts of things. You know, it's not just a brokerage. We do property management and project management and, you know, debt and structured financing and, uh, and then just overall, you know, real estate management of, of certain companies. So it's, it's always an adventure and it's always something different. And so it's, it's been a really good fit for me. You know, CBRE, I have to tell you, is one of the best, uh, in my opinion, one of the best firms out there. I've, I've known, I've, I've known Brian Stoffers actually for, we we were early in our career together. We were young. I think we grew up together in the industry. And I know a lot of people there, we work with a lot of you. And it's amazing how long the tenure is with people. It seems like most people have been there, you know, 30 years, 20 years, 10 years. I mean, so it's it's a great company. I think you're um you're with a really good firm. So um for my two cents anyway. <laughs> um I thought what we might, uh, you know, I've done a lot of podcasts recently on the office segment of commercial real estate, just because that's the, um, oh, I don't know, the hottest uh, problem right now. Of course, or the yes, problem. yes. Yeah. But the second biggest thing that we all focus on is retail. And I've said before, um, in my opinion, I've, I've been in the industry 40 years. So I, I, I've said before that I think... Um, in my own opinion, I'm not a researcher. I don't have any credentials like you, but that I think uh, it's a little, the, the shopping trends are a little bit based on um, the generational, you know, generational gap. So my mom, as an example, if she wanted to go buy something, her first thought would be to go to a store to buy it, you know, or a mall, go around a bunch of stores. Sure. My kids would buy it online. And I'm, I was, <laughs> kind of in the middle pre-COVID. Now I buy everything from the luxury of my chair. <laughs> I was most interested about your survey that you did. Would you talk a little bit about that survey and then what you found there? Because that just absolutely uh, hit home for me. And I think it would be a really good thing for uh, the general you know, listeners to sort of hear. Sure. Well, what I'll do is I'll, I'll start high level. Uh, this started as, as uh, a, a way to find out how people had you know were living or, or had potentially changed their their behaviors uh, since the pandemic, and so we set out 
you know, create, we, we created this, this global consumer survey where we uh, surveyed over 20,000 people around the globe. And, uh, you know, just again, just on, on how, you know, how their quality of life has changed, how their way of working has changed, uh, just, you know, how their habits have changed. And, uh, and then it was, we had you know, different results from each country, but we, we put them all together for the, the global live workshop report, which, you know, listeners, I, I highly suggest you take a look at this report that's, that's on our website because it, again, it's just fascinating in the, again, in, in the ways that your know, behaviors have changed and, and there, there's, there's no question that they've changed, right? You know, the, the pandemic, you know, there's, people are going to be studying this in school a hundred years from now, just how much of an impact it had on culture and society. You know, if you think about it, we were, uh, we were you know, living and working with habits that were set up in a pre-internet age. And sure, we use the internet as a tool, but it, it didn't really, uh, we, we didn't really use that as a leverage to our life. And so now finally people are, and, and I think, you know, we're only beginning to see the real, real effects from this, but, um, and so the report that you are referring to is what I did is I, I just took just the U.S. results, right? And uh, and I just, I wanted to have something that was quickly and easily digestible. And, and so I found essentially five things that I found surprising about the report that's like, oh, I, I didn't realize that. And, you know, just put them out for, for people to see. And, you know, one of the big ones is that, um, <clears throat> that, that I found really fascinating is that, uh, you know, people that uh, lived in, in suburban or almost rural areas are actually more in-person shoppers than than people that live in urban areas which that was again that was kind of a surprise to me and uh and again that that's what what happens is you know our clients you know our retailer clients can take a look at that and and you maybe not change their their entire way how they do business but it can give them an insight of what people are thinking about and you know surveys and and that's just what surveys do they they never they don't guarantee an absolute behavior or a number but they can at least give you an insight into how people are thinking uh, another thing that I found really interesting is that uh, it, you know, one thing that to establish you know, people still are predominantly in store shoppers and and the data supports that right the the sales data from the from um, the, uh, the from the census suggests that you know e-commerce penetration of total retail it, it's around twenty percent right now but um, you know one of the one of the uh, segments of retail that the people are dominant online shoppers are, are for gifts. And I, I think that's kind of interesting. So uh, if you have for family or friends, it's, you know, you, you'll go to, it, it's kind of, there, there's some funny connotations you can pull from that because <laughs> yeah. sure you'll, st you'll stop and sh you'll shop in store for you, but when it's your friend or family, ah, you know, I'll just buy it online. <laughs> Uh, but uh, because but, it ships, maybe the shipment costs. Well, I don't know. right? No, very well. That that could be. And then another thing is gift cards. You know, gift cards yeah. are a very popular gift, and that's very easy to to buy online. Yeah. And so that that could be another aspect of that as well. But let me ask you a question before you go on to the next one. Do you think that's though? Do you think that's going to stay? I mean, who knows, right? But in your opinion, is that something that's changing? Over time, in other words, the e-commerce buying things online is going up and has gone up from you know, 10 years ago. And will it continue to go up over time? Or is, is there really a large percentage of things we're just going to go in person and shop for for? So this is a good question. And, and you know, I get asked a lot 
you know, what, what's the e-commerce share of total retail? And, uh, you know, I used to give an answer really quickly, but now I say, well, you know, it depends on who you ask. You might get three separate answers. They're all based in facts, but it's just how they come up with the figures. So, uh, mm. you know, so because you know, the, the census, they have a specific number, you know, I have a number that I use uh, or a calculation that I use. Uh, you'll have you'll have different think tanks that, that, that think of it differently. But what I try to look at are, are the overall trends. And, and the one trend that's absolutely undeniable is the rise of mobile devices and you know, smartphones. Mm-hmm. as a part of e-commerce. And, uh, you know, I, I did a report once that where I estimated that, you know, you know M-commerce, uh, w- you know, mobile commerce would be the dominant share of e-commerce by 2027. But I think it's going to happen a lot faster than that. And in fact, you know, Adobe, they did a study where they estimated that this past cyber week for this past holiday season, that uh, M-commerce represented 51% of total e-commerce uh, over cyber week which that, that's incredible wow. and if and yeah. if you think about it, it it makes sense you know n- over 90% of people own smartphones now and uh, and so it just really changes the game on everything and and another thing it does it actually sort of accentuates the value of the store the physical store within the supply chain because a lot of m commerce is using store apps or click and collect you know, if, if you think about the early days of the pandemic, you know, grocery anchored retail, you know, grocery stores, they pivoted mm-hmm. very quickly. They, they're very agile to meeting the sudden, you know, you know, the sudden uh, event. And, you know, they quickly pivoted to curbside pickup. And it, it was a, it was a, it was a lifesaver for a lot of people. Yeah. So, um, so, so again, like right now, again, we, I estimated it's around the e-commerce penetration is around 20%. If if you look at the pandemic, obviously shot it up, you know, through the roof, and so it remains at a level that's above the pre-pandemic trend. If you understand what I'm saying, and so mm-hmm. I think that eventually it'll return because if you actually compare it to March, I, I think I did a study where about three, you know, March from March 2021 until now, the e-commerce share of total retail has actually declined a little bit. Now. I don't think it's going to continue mm. declining. I think it's eventually going to rematch that organic growth that we saw pre-pandemic and then just continue to rise. But I also believe that it's going to be measured in a different way. And even, even the census, that there's a there's a note that they have on their data where they say that you know, they're they're continually studying this you know, the, you know, e-commerce and coming up with with uh, you know, better ways to measure it because um because it, it it's tricky. And I think that yeah. the way we measure it will change. And I saw your report broke it down by um, you, you, and I'd love for you to talk about this a little bit more too, but the online shopping preferences by generation. And mm-hmm. I think you were focusing on gifts there, but it's different than what I would have thought. I would have assumed that the highest bar of buying online would have been the youngest and the lowest bar would have been the oldest and it just would have been a declining bar, right? But that's not at all. Uh, what Can you talk about that for a minute? Well, yeah, there's been some studies of um, of, of Gen Z and, and how they're much more in person than than the millennial generation was. Mm. And um, and uh, and, you know, because they, they've the Internet is just a thing. Right. It's true. Right. And, it's not a new innovative thing. It's always been right, there. Yeah. Right. And so I try to think of things in this way and, and there's there's no data to back this up. So this is just kind of a personal sure. opinion of things that I've been thinking about. But, you know, if you think about 
uh, when when teenagers are growing up and, and what their escape was. So I, I'm a member of Gen X. So okay. our yeah. escape, uh, you know, because parents are always, you know, there'd always be one yeah. parent home. Our escape yeah. was the mall. So we'd go to the mall and that's where mm. we found our freedom. And right. then you look at the millennial generation where, um, you know, a lot of times, you know, parents are out of the house and working. Their escape was the computer and the internet. And it, there was, that was the limitless escape for them. And mm. so if you think about Gen Z, when, when parents are home all the time because remote work is bad, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, their escape again is out of the house. And so, um, you know, what, what does that look like? You know, skate parks, uh, you, know, you know, maybe the, 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 the street retail centers. So, uh, so I kind of mm. think about that when I look at survey results. And so I actually wasn't surprised a little bit that, um, that the, the boomer generation is, is, is more uh, online shoppers than some of the inner generation. But I also, you know, I, I also think that, you know, age and, and, you know, mobility comes into play there. And I think that, and that's the beauty of, of your know, retail breaking into these multi-channeled uh, areas is that it, it's great for everybody. You know, everybody can, it's more accessible than ever before. And so that's, yeah. and it, it's great. And and the, the stores remain a, a very valuable part of that. It's, um, you know, we do, we did so to, to kind of pivot a little bit. You know, we in in the on the global report, um, and I didn't break this down in the U.S. report, but in the global report, we asked people, you know, how how do you agree with these following statements? And so we asked um, we asked people we, we asked you know I, I like to see a product in store before I order online, and over fifty percent of people agreed with that statement versus less than twenty percent of people disagreeing with that statement. And then we also asked. Um, we also put up the statement, I prefer returning online orders in store instead of by post. And you know, over 40% of people agree with that versus just about 25% of people disagreeing. So, so if you think about how the store works, uh, you know, people that shop predominantly online, a lot of them still re- prefer returning orders in store so yeah. that the store becomes a part of the reverse logistics chain. And so that's, um, it, again, that's beneficial for everybody. It's convenient for the shopper and for the retailer, it allows them one more chance to make a connection with their customer, uh, mm-hmm. you know, because strictly e-commerce uh, transactions, a lot of times there's never a human being that represents that retailer connecting with another human being, right. their customer and store. So that, that return, it's actually advantageous for retailers and it can help them maybe make another sale. If they're returning that product, they can say, oh, you know, this didn't work out for you, but maybe this one over here would, you know, let's, let's yeah. check this out. And so it's, it's better for everybody. You know, what's interesting is I, I, I fall into that category of, I buy things online. Actually, maybe it's, uh, so I'm the baby boomer, of course. And I, um, I think to me, it was such a novel thing when I found that you, hey, I could sit here and have all the stuff brought to me through COVID. I, I discovered it really, you know, so to me, it was like, wow, this is so amazing, right? So I, I take advantage of it all the time now. But I, I, if I get something, I hate having to go return it. Um, so a lot of times I don't bother. But sometimes if I return it, I go to the right. store that's close to me. And one time I was doing that recently and the lady at the, the counter said, you know, I wish you wouldn't, you, you wouldn't do this because it hurts our sales numbers. All you're doing is bringing to me things you want to return for and you don't shop here anymore. So you're hurting our sales actually. And I, <laughs> I thought, wow, I didn't, I almost took it personal. I thought, well, I didn't mean that, but I didn't think about that. So hopefully the retail industry has 
change their metrics for how they reward stores and things. You know, I think I think they have to understand that that's a a part of what's going to happen going forward. You know, it's not the store's fault. I mean, right. Yeah. And that's an excellent point to what we were talking about earlier in regard to tracking, you know, e-commerce sales versus in-store yeah. sales. And you know, I think you know, for a long time we've used the word omni-channel. When yeah. talking about in your know, retailers that master the the online platform just as well as the store platform, I think that word almost doesn't have meaning anymore. It's almost just retailing, right? Because yeah, yeah. if you're if you're a good retailer, uh, oh, yeah. you know, and I'm not talking about the independents that have like a you know loyal fan base. Um, you know, my 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 favorite cafecito counter here in Miami Beach, they they <laughs> they definitely don't have an online presence. Yeah, um, yeah, but a, right. but a line out no. the door. But yeah. but if you if you're going to be a, a national level retailer or global retailer, you need to master both those oh, yeah. platforms. You have to, yeah, mm -hmm. right. Um, you know, another thing, real quickly, and I think this might be one of the last questions on the survey. But I, I was interested also in the um, gender of, uh, and I know probably a tough, tough topic right now, but I know your survey included are men more likely to buy things online or women or whatever. And I I, I was again, I don't know why, but I had such a different perception in my mind. So can you talk about that a little bit? So I think you're referring to the to the point where uh, people would be willing to pay more, pay more. for faster yes. for faster delivery of items. Right. Right. And so, uh, you know, there's there's some funny connotations that can be made <laughs> from that. Where uh, you know, there, there's been this suggestion by one of my by one of my teammates that said, <laughs> "Oh, it's just because men are always late in getting presents, so they of course they'll pay oh, extra for yeah. for faster <laughs> delivery because they know they're in trouble." Um, <laughs> But uh, but but again, I think that this is you know, th th these kind of survey responses, you know, and they're they're not insignificant. You know, there there are you know, hey, no. hundreds, if not thousands, of of, dis of of answers both ways, and so that, right. that's a way that retailers can take a look and you know try to streamline their you know, if if your customer mm -hmm. base is is made up more of men or women, or you you can use that to tailor uh, your, your e-commerce strategies. And oh yeah. You know, and that, that's one thing that's really come to light in the last few years is that e-commerce is very expensive. And so for retailers to have an insight to say, oh, you know what, people would be willing to pay a little bit extra for, for retail, and, you know, and, and, you know, maybe they can, they can gauge that th those preferences, uh, you know, it, it, there are other ways to look at this data too. Like we have data on how much they'd be willing to pay for faster delivery on where they live, you know, rural mm -hmm. areas versus in-town areas. And I don't remember what the results are right at the moment, but, but that's a thing where if you have a retailer that's, um, that, you know, if, if they say, if they see that, that, you know, people that live in rural areas, if, if they don't really care about faster delivery or not, yeah. then you can say, oh, okay, so we don't, we, we can invest less in our logistics platform there. And, you know, th they'll just be happy when it comes uh, right. versus, you know, other places. And so, and again, that's just what this data was, was when we put this survey together is just, you know, to help our, our clients make the best decisions they can. Right. Exactly. So let me ask you one, one other question. Um, well, maybe two, but I pick up one right now. What do you envision um, malls to look like going forward? There's so many malls that are handed back to the lender, and there's so many that are being revamped. And I know I've heard the work. Uh, the uh, you got to have like an experience when you go there, and all that. Where, where do you envision malls being? You know, like 10, 20 years from now. 
I know it's an unfair question, but you, you be, having, being, being, a no, I'm ready for it. Expert. It's okay. Okay, good, good, yes. <laughs> I'm ready I for it. Your opinion is good. No. So yeah, the interesting thing is retail is heavily exposed to public perception, right? Like if, yeah. it, you know, if, if we had no real estate knowledge whatsoever, and we, we got some coffees and walked through an on office district, let's say we could look up at the buildings and say, oh, that that's a nice architecture, but we wouldn't really have an idea of what was going on inside the building. And, you know, same thing with looking up at a big apartment building or, or an industrial facility, but we can walk through a shopping center and immediately see if there's a lot of vacancy and, and, and yeah. say, wait a second, there's something going on here. This, this doesn't look right. And so if you, if you break the malls into classes, the class A, A plus malls, they remain the centerpieces of their trade areas. And, and many have never done better. If you look at some of the you know, earnings calls from the mall real estate investment trust, they, they, they're reporting almost record high levels of occupancy, you know, you know, strong rent uh, growth, uh, good sales from their retailers that are present in the mall. So they're happy to be tenants. You know, it's that, it's those other malls. And, and there, you, you might have there, this, you know, there, there's no question that retail was was o- almost overbuilt at one point. And so you, you might have a region where it's a great trade area, but what what do you do about the third best mall in that area, which is struggling with sales, or or a region that has had you know population loss, which that happens because you yeah. know people are are mobile with with their jobs, and so you know what do you do with those centers? And so uh, you were actually looking into that this you know in the first part of this year, and I, I'm planning a report that we're that we're going to uh, launch just before uh, ICSC in in Las Vegas. And basically, you know, what what do you do? Because the reality is, is that, and people are still surprised to hear this, but retail availability right now is at an all-time low. Uh, In fact, we just, this last quarter, we, availability fell below 5% for the first time ever in the, the set that we track. And that goes all the way back to 2005. And so, and still there's retailers that are, are waiting to expand, uh, and so, you know, how do you find them space? Because, you know, there, there's there's a certain percentage of space that will probably never be occupied again, just because the center just, it, it's fallen, it's fallen to bad times and it, it just hasn't, just doesn't look nice and it hasn't been reinvested. And so what we're seeing is a lot of these retail owners are looking at these spaces that are underperforming and, and maybe, uh, you know, re-entitling the land, you're pulling back the retail entitlements and maybe creating a mixed use, uh, you know, mixed use community on, on that parcel it, and, you know, adding a couple apartment buildings or, or maybe, you know, an office user, you know, as, as much as the office market has been, um, you know, is kind of in flux, you know, that the, the shared office spaces have done actually pretty well. And so, you know, if it's a good area and a buzzing area that, that could be a good use for that, um, you know, maybe adding, you know, med tail, you know, medical focus retail, but, but so they'll kind of demall the area, uh, yeah. You know, reduce the overall retail spread and add some other things that make it a true, um, you know, live, work, play area, which that 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 phrase has gotten kind of played out. But yeah. but but that's but that is you know, what, what a lot of people will think. And and um, and so we're seeing a lot of that. Uh, and and I think that's probably the future for those underperforming malls. Uh, you know, some we, we did a report. I think three or four years back now, I did it in partnership with our with our industrial research team and uh, where we we did a report on on malls that were just completely raised and redeveloped as uh, industrial 
logistics facilities because a lot of the real estate is great and it's right on a highway and there's there's great access to it. So a lot of these sites have be, have had a you know had value as uh, logistics uh, fulfillment centers and whatnot. And so you know that that's another part of it. Uh, but but I think that you know what remains is that the, a lot of the real estate is good real estate. It'll be in highly populated areas and, um, and, and, and it will find other uses. I'd love to have you back on after you issue that report in May um, about, cause I'd love to talk to you. This is worthy of a whole separate podcast. And if you'd be willing to do that, I'm, I'm going to reach out to you. You don't have to commit here, but I'm going to reach out to you once you publish that report and have you back on to talk about malls. I think that would be a fantastic idea. Yeah, so happy to. Um, okay. Any parting words? So the listeners that we have are generally commercial real estate sure. owners. Any parting words that I haven't asked? Anything you want to get across before we we wrap up this wonderful uh, this wonderful time? No, I you know I'm I'm a you know I'm a believer in retail. I, I think that sometimes people kind of call me out on it, but but no, <laughs> I I truly feel like you know is an is an asset type. It, it looks really well. You know, there's there's been some concerns about the economic uncertainty, but you know if you think about how the backbone of retail now are like these open air, a lot of times grocery mm-hmm. anchored centers. Those are well positioned, even in economic you know, hardship because you know what what are some of the things that people do if they're un- uncertain about their economic future you know, they'll go out to eat less they'll they'll you know do a lot and they'll go to the grocery store more right that they'll try to save money and so you you could almost argue that uh that, that it, it could be a good thing you know if, if people mm-hmm. have to pinch pennies that they'll be back in the grocery store so right. um but yeah it's 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 really interesting you know, retail is part of who we are as a society and, and as human beings. It's where we we meet. It's where we gather. It's you know, a lot of us had our first dates in a retail center, whether it's a restaurant <laughs> yeah. or a coffee shop. So um, now I'm a big believer. In, I never I never jumped on the bandwagon of you know physical retail is dying. I, I never that I think maybe that's why they they hired me for this position. But uh, <laughs> no. but no, I, I'm I'm a big believer and I'm a retail shopper myself. Uh, you know, Me too. <laughs> I, I almost buy nothing online, and so I I I I, I live what I believe. So uh, yeah, uh, I'm always happy to chat. So yeah, I'd love to be back uh, after the report. Well, I do my fair share to support your line of the, your line of uh, your preference here too. I I do a lot of shopping. I love retail myself. So. So <laughs> I can tell you personally. Um, well, thank you. It's been so great. I love your insight, Brandon. It's been really, really good hearing from you. And again, I'm going to reach back out to you um, when uh, after you publish that report. Maybe you could have someone in your office shoot it over to us when it's ready in May, and then we'll reach back out to you to get you back on a podcast if you will do me that. Honor. Yeah, sounds like a plan. Let's do it. Great. Thank you so much for the time today. Really nice talking to you. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me.